so thankful to see each and every one of you here. So thankful to see Kim's family and everybody um, that's with us. So thank you, Miss Jean. Is that is that correct? Was it? So great to have you with us. And, and, and others, I, I miss people and everything. It's good to see you all that are here every week, too. I'm thankful that we can be here in the presence of the Lord, looking forward to what God has for us this morning. Uh, but if you will, let's go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62 is what we'll read today, okay? So Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. As you're turning there, if I was to title this sermon, it's Deterrence to Following. Deterrence to following. A deterrent is just something that gets in the way of, that hinders, that makes it difficult, that tries to stop you, to hold you back, to keep you from doing what it is you're trying to do. A deterrent to following. Like a deterrent to losing weight is going to a buffet every day. That's not a good idea to put those two together because you're going to really struggle at the one because of the deterrent of all that good-looking food right there, okay? Deterrent, deterrence to following, okay? As you're turning, you know, we're going to close out this idea, this this series of being marked, of being called by the Savior, be obedient to Him and following Him. And just for a minute, let's just discuss the things that we've talked about. First week, we talked about what it looked like to follow the Savior, what it looked like to follow Christ. That it means we're spending time in His presence, that we that we think like Him, that we become more like Him, and we do the things that He did as He walked on this earth. We follow His example and we walk in His footsteps, and we do. Those things. And then last week we talked about who it is. We asked the question, who does God call? Who does Jesus call? Who does Jesus love? And we said the easy answer is everybody. But when we really get into into the, the things of life, our actions sometimes speak differently. Our actions sometimes, we struggle with, with showing the love of God to certain people. We might filter out certain ones. And when we go out to the field to bring in the harvest, sometimes we're a little picky about who we go to harvest. And that we, we need to show and share the love of God to everybody. Because Christ has called everyone. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we talked about what it looks like to follow Christ. We talked about who it is that Jesus calls who can follow him. And this week we're going to talk about these deterrents to following, the things that make it difficult in our life, or sometimes the things that hinder us from following Christ. We're going to look at three different people. Now we're given the same call that Peter and Mark and these other disciples were that we've talked about the past two weeks. But their reply, their response was a little bit different than what the other ones replied. The other ones just got up and they began to follow Jesus. They, you know, Some left the Sea of Galilee and followed him. One left his stand as a, as a tax collector and followed him. But these three men, these three people, they had a different response. Okay, so let's read Luke chapter 9 verse 57 through 62. Okay. So it starts, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Here's the third one. Says another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. Okay? So we well, we can look at this 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 scripture, look at these conversations that Jesus had with these people. And you know, obviously those three of them we're gonna uh, we're gonna isolate and look at each one individually here in just a moment but first i want us just to understand that you know following christ isn't 
always as easy as we may think when we first get saved. You know, I've heard Gilbert talk about and others talk about when they first get saved. You know, we oftentimes will think, well, it's going to be easy to be a Christian. All my temptations will go away. All the things that I struggle with will go away. All the things that hinder me will go away. My, my path will be cleared and it will be easy sailing from here on out. But what I found and no doubt many of you have found in life is that once we begin that relationship with Christ, once we try to start following Him, following in His footsteps, we begin to meet some deterrence, some hindrances to following in His footsteps. And those hindrances look very different for each and every one of us. So I want us to understand, Jesus isn't particularly just talking to a crowd here. He's looking at each one of these individuals and he's picking them out. He's saying, you, I want you to follow me. And then the one says, but you know, Lord, I, I, I don't know about this. When, you know, one says, you know, I got to go, I, I need to go bury and, and, and bury my father. And the other one says, you know, well, I want to go say my farewells. And, and the one, you know, he's kind of like, well, you know, what about the comfort issue and things like that? And each one has an individual issue that becomes a deterrent to following Christ. I want to ask this question at the end, but I'm also going to ask it right here. So I want you to think about this as we go through this sermon. What is it for you? What is it for you? What is the deterrent or the issue or the thing in your life that hinders you from following Christ more closely, more passionately, more consistently, more faithfully, and being obedient to Him in the way that He desires you to be? What is it because I'm going to list three very common ones. Maybe you'll fit in one of those, but there might be something that's a little bit different than these. And But I want you to listen to this and understand that whatever that deterrence is, we need to, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it so that we can follow in his footsteps as he has called us to do. But some of the most common reasons that people may think of of why we don't follow Christ, why we're not obedient to Christ, why people don't decide to come to church and follow Him to begin with. They make that decision of salvation is because oftentimes following Christ is, is too uncomfortable for some people, right? So the first one we hear that He begins to talk, He says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. That sounds familiar, right? I don't think it was about four or five, maybe six weeks ago, we talked about how Peter about said the same thing before Jesus was crucified. He said, Lord, I'll die for you if you want me to. Don't worry about it. I got your back, buddy. Wherever you go, I'm going. I want to be there for you. I want to stand up for you. I'm going to take care of you. You're my guy. You're my man. I want to go with you. And then we know what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. Everybody scatters. Everybody runs. And then Peter goes and he hides out. He begins to sneak up close to where they're going to, where they're judging Jesus, and he's going through the trial. And he denies them three times before the cock crows in the morning. Right? Here we see this guy. He says, "I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you want me to go." And then Jesus says, "All right, buddy." He said, "Well, the foxes have holes, birds have their nests, all these things." And he said, "I, the son of the God, I don't." have a place to lay my head. What he's saying is, is that if you're following me, that comfort that you might be familiar with, that you might enjoy right now, that thing's going to be a thing of the past. Because following me is uncomfortable. And all these men, these people, we don't understand, we don't know what decision they made, we just know the conversation that they had with Jesus. But maybe this man, he, he hears that. He hears that, oh, it's you know. I really like my bed. 
I paid a lot for that bed. It goes up and it goes down and it massages me and my wife's side is hot and I'm cold and, and we're happy and everything. I'm going to have to get rid of my bed. That sounds very uncomfortable. Now, we don't have one of those beds. It'd be nice to have one of those beds. If anybody's getting rid of one, okay. Um, but maybe you do, and that's virtually fine. Um, but maybe this guy he has a nice home. Worked hard for it all of his life. Saved up, did right. Took care of things. Has a nice bed. Has a nice place to lay his head. And Jesus says, all that? There's going to be uncomfortable following me because there's none of that. But maybe it's not necessarily the physical comfort that we're concerned with. Because, you know, we may look at reasons that people fail to follow Christ. You may look at reasons of why people don't do the things in church they're supposed to do, why we're not obedient to Him, why we don't follow Him. And comfort might not be the first thing that comes to your mind. But I want to give you a couple of examples of things that we are instructed in Scripture to do. And you think in your mind how comfortable you are doing those things. How comfortable you would be following in Christ's footsteps in those examples. The Bible tells us in one place, go into all the world... He reiterates that in one place using the term highways and the hedges. Compel them to come in. Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Testify, preach, minister, whatever it may be. It also tells us in one place, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you or despitefully use you. In a conversation with Peter, he says, Peter, you ought to you know, forgive not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. He tells them to pray and to fast in one place he says if you have two of something and somebody you know has none of something take that extra something that you have and give it to that person that don't have nothing he uses the example of a shirt if you have two shirts and your neighbor has no shirt give him a shirt he said do the same thing with your food now think of those things those are just small instances that are that are dictated in scripture and laid out for us in scripture that we are supposed to follow that instruction and how comfortable are we in doing those things. How comfortable would we be to, to give the clothes out of our closet to somebody that didn't have it? How comfortable would we be to, to pray and fast, not just for a day, but when he's talking about, Paul talks about seasons of prayer and fasting. How comfortable are we with the idea of that? How comfortable are we with forgiving somebody, not once for doing something, but seven times 70? And that's, just not, that's not even the, the limit. That's just a number to say you can't even fathom. That's greater than what, you can, what you're thinking of right now. How comfortable would we be to, to love those that hurt us? To take care of those that do us wrong? To treat them right when they have treated us ill? How comfortable are we with those ideas? How comfortable are we to go into neighborhoods or communities or, or states or countries that, that we don't know or that we're not familiar with if the Holy Spirit moved in us to go there? How comfortable would we be to do that? These things are uncomfortable to do. Following God is usually going to be pretty uncomfortable. He will call us out of and sometimes jerk us out of our comfort zone. To put us in a place and on a path that is pleasing to Him. But when we choose to follow Him, let us understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. But like many people in the church world today and the world in general, if anything is too uncomfortable, we err away from it. We're hesitant to take on anything that's too uncomfortable. 
Well, I don't want to do this because I'm really not comfortable with, with that situation. not comfortable with talking to people. I'm not comfortable with, with hard work. I'm not comfortable with, with going through this. I'm not comfortable with learning or listening. I'm not comfortable with dealing with small people, with old people. I'm not comfortable with dealing with sick people or healthy people. I'm not comfortable dealing with singles. I'm not comfortable dealing with married. I'm not comfortable in these situations. I'm not comfortable around that group. I'm not comfortable around those people. I'm not comfortable... And if we only did what we're comfortable with, most of us just sit on the couch all day and watch, you know, Wheel of Fortune. They still do Wheel of Fortune? Maybe. Price is right. They change, but it's not Bob Barker anymore, is it? That's all we would do if we just did what we were comfortable with. And let's be honest. I ain't teaching anybody about Jesus just sitting, watching, is it Drew Carey spin that thing? I don't helping them learn about God. I ain't doing anything cuddled up in my onesie and everything on the couch on a cold day and while well, there's people outside that are hungry and people outside that are that are freezing to death under bridges. I, I ain't doing anything for God that way. I might be comfortable, but I'm not showing the love of God. More often than not, to do what is pleasing to God and to instruct people and show people the love of God, you have to do things that are uncomfortable. Very rarely does God say, you're very comfortable with this, so I'm going to use you. Most often, it's the things that we are uncomfortable with that make the biggest difference in the world that is around us. So you're called to be uncomfortable, but too often that comfort level is a deterrent to us following in God's footsteps, following Christ, following His calling, what He asks us to do, being obedient to us, that level of comfort says, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't know. So that's the one that he talks about there. He says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay, lay his head. He says, I'm not very comfortable, but comfort's not my priority. Okay? So we go to the next one. Sometimes people are deterred from following God because it seems too urgent. It's too urgent. We'll explain that, okay? So let's read it again. It says, Then he said to another, Follow me. That's the exact words he used to talk to Mark. Whenever he was, or Levi, Mark, also known as Levi, there at the tax collector's booth. It's the same words he uses for Peter and James and John and all these on the Sea of Galilee. Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, you, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, this next conversation may seem a little harsh. We might read that and be like, man, Jesus ain't, ain't slacking off any. His daddy's dead and gone. And he's, he's saying, forget about that. Let's, let's move on. We just talked about following Jesus isn't always comfortable. So we preface this with, uh, with an understanding that Matthew also gives a parallel of this story. And Matthew describes this man as a disciple of Christ. This man already believed in Jesus. This man had already been around Jesus for some time. He wanted to follow Jesus. He said, you know, Lord, let me first go. He wouldn't say let me first go if he didn't want to in the beginning. He had a desire to follow Christ. He had a desire to do what God wanted him to. But there's that issue of there's something else that's more urgent right now. Here we find a man that's interested in following Jesus. 
but wants to assure he's there to see his dad buried. We assume his dad is dead, but, but he might not be. He might just be very sick about to pass away. He might just be an older gentleman, his dad might be, and he don't want to be gone when his dad passes away. He wants to be around to help mom during the situation where everything's going on to help with the burial. So he's like, let, give me some time to let this situation take care of itself, and then I'll follow you. And we don't have to think of you know, burying somebody, but, but how many instances in our life have we said something similar give me some time give me a minute give me a couple days give me a little bit give me my youth give me my my singlehood give me my married life give me the time while i've got kids give me the time when i just get out of having kids and now i'm finally able to do stuff give me some time to enjoy my retirement before i'm old and can't do anything and by the time it comes to the end of our life we've continued to push it off to the next season to the next time to the next point where it's like well i don't want to do it now while i'm young and able and i've got all these things to do and i've got to build my career and i've got to build my family so so let's wait till i'm a little older wait till the kids are a little older and then i'll do something and then the kids are older and the kids are involved in sports and the kids are involved in activities and maybe there's some marriage issues so you're trying to juggle with that and everything and you're still trying to get that promotion at work you say lord let me just give me a couple more years and when over those after those couple years the kids will be in college and things will go then the kids are out of the house and you're finally free They're like, let me travel a little bit, Jesus. Let me see the world that you made for me a little bit, Jesus. Let me go do some fun stuff, Jesus, because I just spent the last 18 years taking care of this heathen. You gave me and my wife. Let me be free, Jesus. And then we push it on. Like, well, I'm retired now, Jesus. I'm in my golden years, and I'll get retirement. Let the government take care of me, Jesus. Let me just have this little bit that I got, Jesus. And then we all in a nursing home. We're trying to do a Bible study. (laughs) And we never have an urgency... To do the things that God desires for us to do. You see, Jesus isn't being cruel in this moment by saying, I don't want you to care or be compassionate about your daddy. I don't want you to be there to mourn with your mother. Romans tells us, mourn with those that mourn. It's important to God. When Jesus was on the cross, what did He say? He said, John, here's your mother. Mother, here's your son. He cared about the well-being of His family. So that's not what He's saying. He's not saying ignore your family. Just cut them out of your life. He's not saying don't care about them. He is saying though, and what we can learn from this, is that He's saying, hey, I know this stuff's going on. I know you're busy. I know what's going on with your daddy. You've been my disciple. You've been following me around this little town for a little bit. I've heard your pleas. I've heard what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with. But what we should draw from this conversation is how urgent Jesus knew his mission was on this earth. And how urgent it still is today. Because what does he instruct this person to focus on, right? What does he say? He doesn't say, just don't care about him. He doesn't just leave it there, but he says, there's something else. He gives an option, okay? He doesn't just say, don't do this, but he tells them what he should be doing. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He's not just saying it's not right to go and be there for people. It's not good to be compassionate. What he's saying is, though, is when there's a choice... 
When we come down to a point where we know the Holy Spirit is drawing us and telling us and compelling us to do something, and the window's very close, very, very small to do and fulfill what it is that God has called us to do, there's going to be times that you need to be urgent about that. And that's going to mean you have to take some of your responsibilities that you've piled up and some of the things that are important to you right now and some of the things that, that you care about right now, and you might have to push them to the side and be more urgent about what God is compelling you to do. We don't take the things of God with much urgency very often. Urgent. What is urgent? Urgent is December 24th, and you haven't gone shopping yet, and you're scurrying all throughout town to get it done. Because it's important to you. It matters to you. There's some significance to getting that done. So there is urgency to do what is there to do. To go shopping. But in our walks with with Christ, we should have an urgency to do what He has called us to do. This man, already being a believer in Jesus, when, when Jesus says, follow me, He's not saying, give your life to me and be saved, you know, turn from your evil ways. He isn't meaning that, but He is calling this disciple to follow Him closer. To move up. To do more. To embrace the significance of what they were there to do. He's not saying, turn your life and follow me, but He's saying, take my example of taking this urgently and seriously and live that out in your own life. Question. I like asking questions because I want you to think. I want you to really think about what where you are in your own life. When was the last time you took anything to do with church urgently besides getting to church on Sunday morning because everybody woke up late and all that stuff? When was it you took things of God urgently? When was the last time like, i got to get home tonight because we, we're supposed to read the Bible. We've got to read the Bible before we put the kids to sleep. When was the last time that, that you like, oh, I, I, I got I to go and I got to be urgent about this because I, I know that one person, they're always on that corner at this time during uh, this day because, you know, this is where they go. This is, this, they're, they're under this bridge and God has really compelled me to go talk to them. I've got to urgently go. got to go and talk to them. Well, you, you rush back from break real quick at work because you know your co-worker, they get back to their little station a few minutes early and you want to talk to them before everybody else goes in. When was the last time you took something that God asked you, compelled you, commanded you to do urgently? When was the last time you did anything of God with a sense of urgency? You see, Jesus came and he came with a sense of urgency. We've talked about before. At the age of, what was it, 12? The Bible says that he was found in the temple talking and teaching. He was beginning to establish a foundation where he would have some kind of influence in the community around him because he had a sense of urgency. He said, I must be about my father's business. Must entails some urgency. When was the last time you must do anything for God? How often is it, well, if I get the time to, I will. If I get the chance to, I will. If it works out, okay, I will. That's not how we as followers of Christ should handle the things of God. Things of God should be, I must do this. And if I can, I'll do that too. That's difficult. That's difficult. But once again, 
why we started out. That's why he started out with this comfort thing. He said everything else is going to fall under this. If you're not okay with the comfort thing, you don't even listen to the next two, okay? He's saying if you, if, if that bothers you, these other two really going to, you know, put a thorn in your hind end. Because, you know, they, they take big stuff. It's not comfortable. And it's not easy. But we must be about our Father's businesses. Business. With a sense of urgency. Okay? You know, and that, that kind of spins into to this last one. Okay? Sometimes the deterrent for people, it's not just that they're too uncomfortable following Jesus and doing what he wants them to. It's not that there's just too much urgency that they want to put it down on the list. They, you know, that God wants to be first and they want it down on this list. It's not that. It's because it's too important. They're like, man, God wants this high seat in my life. And I really can't give that seat up. Here's what he says last. He says, another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But how many times is that every prayer that we pray or every answer that we give the Lord? I will, Lord, but I will, Lord, but I will, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay? And that's the, the end of, of the scripture that we've read. But let me ask you this. What is most important to you? When you look at your life, with how you handle things, with how you do things during your day, with how the week goes, with what you prioritize, with what's, with what's going on in everything in your life, what your schedule looks like, what is most important to you what is most important to you that's the issue that this conversation that jesus has with this last fella is addressing this man wants to go home say his farewells right doesn't know when he'll be back he's going to go follow jesus whatever jesus was going to do he's going to do but he wanted to go back right but again jesus redirects this person he says, I, I see what you're saying, but let me let me, let me me speak this into your life. So just real quick, let me set the precedence of where we are at in this situation, okay? Immediately before this, Jesus goes into a village, a Samaritan village, to do what he does. Talk to people, heal people, love people, show them the love of God, preach the gospel message, tell them that there's an alternative to what they have known, to what they are familiar with, that he is the Son of God, that he has come, that, they, that there's a home in heaven, you know, preach the gospel message, whatever. And he's rejected. Scripture flat out says... He was rejected, turned away, and asked to politely leave. There wasn't any kind of violent encounter. They didn't try to stone him like some did with Paul. They didn't get aggravated with him. Scripture says they rejected him, sent him on his way. After that, either while walking or if they sat down to eat a meal or sometime, we don't understand, we don't know that exact timeline. But after that is when we get these conversations with these three men. So basically, he says, "Hey, you know." When you're talking, Lord, is it always going to be this hard to be a disciple? Is it always going to be this hard when we go into certain places? You know, he gives them this instruction. You know, he says, hey, if you follow me, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you follow me, you know, you're going to have to have a sense of urgency. What we're doing is is, is urgent that we get it done as soon as quickly as possible. And and what we're doing is very important. You know, he gives these these conversations with these men. And so this is the end of the chapter. And as we go into the next chapter, we enter into where Jesus sends 70 people out. 
into all the villages, cities, and towns in the surrounding area leading up to Jerusalem. Because Jesus at this point had the intent to go to Jerusalem to prepare for ultimately his crucifixion and his sacrifice there. So we see that in between the rejection and Jesus continuing to put himself out there and to prepare to go on the way to, to provide his life as a sacrifice for our sins and for us to be redeemed, he has this conversation with these men. You know, there were some times when, it, when Jesus would, would teach his disciples. He would teach them in some parable or give some eloquent lesson and the disciples would just be looking at him fish-faced, right? Just, just, just blinded eyes like deer in headlights like they did not know what in the world that, that he was talking about. And Jesus was well, oftentimes simplified. He'd just break it down. He'd say, listen, folks, okay, this is you not understanding what I'm trying to say. Here it is in layman's terms. Very simplified for you to understand. And I wonder how close he got to doing that in this situation. To have the, a similar conversation with three different men about the struggles and the difficulties and the deterrence that come with following in his footsteps. How close did he get to saying something like, oh, you generation, always busy, always got something more urgent to get done, Always got something more important to do. Don't you know that what I'm here for is more important than you could ever dream of? And you read these conversations, that's the essence of what he is he is saying. That what I'm here to do is very, very important. But how often... Do we look at what's important in our life? And we really say that something of God, be obedient to God, follow His footsteps, whatever it may be, ranks even pretty high on top of our list. Now, if I asked you to list out the things that you cared about most, how far down that list do you have to start questioning, well, do you really care about that if you care about all these other things more? How far down the list of importance and priorities does God have to be for you to be like, well, I've completely forgot about him at that point. But the thing that God has called us to do should be important. It should be the most important thing in our lives. To be obedient to him. To follow him. To walk in his footsteps. To do what he commands us to. To, to be obedient to every situation that he, he brings up. You know, and that's what we should address in our own lives. Is how many things in our life hold more importance than the things of God? How many things and relationships and priorities are more important than the things of God in our own life? Because the answer that we need to give as Christians is that there's nothing. There's nothing more important. Than being obedient to God. There's nothing more important than following His footsteps. There's nothing more important than doing what He has asked us to do to be the Christian men and women that He desires us to be. Our desire, and that should be the top of the list. We're doing pretty good if it's second or third, but it needs to be at the top. But many times it's not at second, and it's not at the third, and it's not at the fourth, and it's well down the list of things that are important. And think for a moment with me. How different would your life look if the things of God were the most important thing to you? If following God was the most important thing for you and your family? And we must address this. We must ask ourselves those questions. We must be honest with ourselves. Okay? So let me close, okay, with this. 
You might know what that is. Oh, wow, y'all good. You might know what kind of tomato? No. Okay, didn't think so. Um, I think it's a better boy or a bigger boy. I'm, it's, it's some kind of boy. I don't know. We got her. It's edible. Well, I don't know what that part is with the tomato. We've got early girls and, and better boys or something like that. Now, does anybody know more specifically what part of the plant they're looking at? Okay. It's stem and leaves, right? You all are playing right into this exactly how I planned it. Good job. All right. Let me talk about suckers. Okay, I'm not talking the thing you get from Shoney's at Harper Lee three or four up before we get home if I let her. I'm talking about a natural part of the tomato plant. Now, I may have mentioned these before. I preached a whole, about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. I don't know, back home. I preached a sermon on this. I went back home this past couple weeks ago, and, I'm, and I saw a preacher friend of mine. He said, I still remember that sermon about suckers. So it might, might, might be fresh in my mind. So it just works here, though. The suckers are a natural part of a tomato plant. Comes about natural. It's not some, you know, mutation. It's not some kind of thing that happens bad in the ground. It happens very naturally. But a sucker is a part of a plant that looks exactly like a branch or a stem and leaves, just like a regular tomato plant. Looks nice and pretty, green and lush. The leaves don't look different. The stem don't look different. It, if you go up to it, it smells like a, you know, the tomato plant does. It feels like the tomato plant does. It get, it'll get big if you let it. It'll get bigger than the whole plant if you let it. It's hard sometimes to tell the difference between the sucker and the, and the plant, the actual tomato plant. But the thing about a sucker is that if you don't notice it beforehand, by the time tomatoes start coming in, you'll recognize a sucker for what it is. Because no matter how much you water that thing, no matter how much you fertilize it, and you might go out there and you might sing lovely songs to it and talk to it like some people do when they swear that it makes it grow better plants and everything. You might do all those things. But no matter how much you do, a sucker will not produce a tomato. It will not. Never will have a blossom. If it don't blossom, it can't pollinate. And if it can't pollinate, it can't bear fruit. And it will never produce a tomato. So if you don't notice a sucker beforehand, when it comes harvest time, you will. You'll notice it. Suckers always grow between the main stem and an actual branch. And this right here is a sucker. If this thing is not pruned and not taken off, it will grow just like the rest of these branches. Right here's another one. Okay? Others grow. And they'll get big like those. And they'll get, you know, sometimes if it's low enough on the thing, it'll get as big as the whole plant. But it'll never produce fruit. And ultimately, if you leave it on there for too long, it'll hinder the ability of the rest of the plant to produce fruit as well because it consumes all the energy, all the nutrients that the plant's taking in. It pulls out a great majority of them because it's not supposed to be there. It's almost cancerous. And you got to take them off if you want good fruit. And as we talk about following God today, how, you know, Sometimes things are uncomfortable. I'm sure it's uncomfortable to prune a, a sucker off of the tomato. I'm definitely the sucker. Um, how sometimes we think God's too urgent. The things of 
that we, we just need to slow it down. Give me some time. Give me some time. Um, or maybe we just feel like there's too much importance and we got to, other things are more important in our life. So I can't, I can't prioritize that Jesus because I've got to prioritize this Jesus. So many times um, there's certain things in our life that do the same thing. Things that we pour our time and our effort and our money and our energy and our passion into. Things that might look good. And in the right time and in the right season, they're, they're fine. But once they begin to take on too much importance in our lives. Or we view it with too much of a great urgency in our lives. Then those things can become harmful to the overall plant. And that plant is our, our walk with, with Christ. And these things, whether they just be good things that we've given too much importance to, or maybe bad things we view in a, in a bad way. No matter how much time and energy you pour into it, no matter how much you try to give it you know, greater importance in your life, no matter how urgently you treat it, no matter all the things... Those things, no matter what you do, they will not bear fruit. They will not bear spiritual fruit in your life. No matter what it is. But if we pour ourselves into the things of God, that we pull the suckers out when they become too important, or we become too invested in, then we'll review them with too much urgency, that it's more than the things of God, then they become suckers in our life. And it's hard to follow God and produce fruit when we've got suckers pulling our interest and our passion and our desire and our energy in so many other ways. And ultimately, that's what Jesus was talking to these fellows about. He said, if, if you're too worried about comfort, you're not going to follow me the way I need you to follow me. If you're too urgently concerned about your career or your family or this or that, and that's the main thing to you, you're not going to be following me effectively because... What I'm calling you to do is the most urgent thing in your life right now. He says, you know, if, if you're viewing everything else as more important as uh, than anything else, and all these things that you're doing, the, these uh, out-of-work activities, these activities on the weekends, or, or these things that you prioritize, he said, if that's what's most important to you, you're not going to be able to produce the fruit that I need you to. Because he's saying, what can be more important than the eternal salvation of the people that we live, work, and go to school with? He's saying, you've, you've got these things on you that are hindering and deterring you from following me in the way that I've called you to follow me. And he says, take care of them. Take care of them. Now, I don't know if any of these men, one, two, three of them, none of them, ended up being part of that 70 that Jesus sent out to the cities. We, we don't get that. We don't know how they responded to, to Jesus' questioning and, and the, the conversations that they had with him. We don't know that. But you can decide how you respond to this conversation that we've had today. I asked you at the beginning, I said, what is it for you? What is deterring you from following Christ as closely and as passionately and as obediently as you could be? Maybe it's one of these three or maybe it's something else. But there's oftentimes something in our lives that keeps us from taking that extra step. We're going that extra mile. We're doing that extra little bit that God desires. We'll follow from this point, but we don't want to follow from this point. And what is it that deters you from taking that next step and getting a little closer 
and following Him a little bit more like He wants you to? What is deterring you from following Christ? Find out what it is. Figure out what it is. Maybe it became clear to you as soon as we began this sermon. Maybe it's still not clear to you right now. But seek God's wisdom and understanding so that you can know and He can pinpoint what that is so that you can remove it from your life and deal with it in a a, a way that He desires you to deal with it so that you can produce the spiritual fruits that you want to. Because no matter what, you won't get peace, love, joy, comfort from all those other things. It only comes from, from Christ. It only comes from Christ. That's the end.